Welcome to Studio B. Thank you for joining us. And by us, I mean another super special guest. Her name is Emma. She is a vocal coach at Rocket Vocal Studios, and she is just so cool. We had the funnest conversation. And yes, you heard that right, Vocal Studios. So you probably can guess what we're going to be talking about this episode, vocal health, vocal coaching, and singing lessons, and the importance of all of that. So what Emma really focuses on when she is teaching and doing her vocal coaching is improving your singing skills from any level and she can help you achieve results quickly and effectively in a fun and relaxed studio. And also, if you want to increase your vocal power and range, learn how to master your voice to be able to sing challenging songs or simply hold a tune or even be able to sing a whole new genre or just sing the song you've always wanted to sing before, she can help you reach your goals. Now, her methods are creative, they're experimental, they're fun, and she really teaches you how to use your voice as an instrument in the healthiest, most comfortable, and confident way possible. That is why I got her onto this episode because she is so extremely knowledgeable. Now, she is going to tell you more about herself, of course. Now, whether you are preparing for your next tour, heading into the studio to record your next song, or maybe you just want to touch up on things a little bit or refine your voice or want to learn the basics over again or, you know, just want to hear how you can make your voice even better, stronger, and last longer That is what we're going to work with you on today in this episode of Studio B. Yeah, we're really excited about this episode and we're excited that you are joining us today. So let's welcome Emma from Rocket Vocal Studios into the Studio B studio with this episode of Studio B called Sing Your Life. And yes, that is a Morrissey song. (laughs) So this is Sing Your Life. Let's learn more about you, Emma. So tell us about your work as a vocal coach. I started, well, I started teaching about 20 some years back. I was at London Music School and everyone sort of reached graduation week and we were all like, okay, are we all going to just fly off and be rock stars now? And then the teachers broke it to us that we're all probably going to end up being teachers. And that's kind of where it started. So I, uh, I ended up actually teaching there at the London Music School for a little while and absolutely loved it. And then, of course, did pursue my own musical dreams and and did all the songwriting and touring and playing with bands and doing all the fun stuff there, too. Um, But, yeah, I've been passionate about teaching ever since I was learning the voice for my own personal vocal goals, shall we say. And then uh, ever since I sort of took the teaching path, I've made it my passion to continue to be a student as well. And I've always wanted to learn from as many people as possible, be it musicians, performers, artists, or actual renowned coaches. If I'm traveling, I'll look up the best coach in that area and try and get time to go learn with them and chat with them and meet them and discuss their philosophies and approaches too. So I'm just a complete nerd when it comes to uh, <laughs> to voice and being a vocal coach. I'm a bit um, I'm a bit different in the sense that I'm not hugely technical on the theory side. I try my best to learn as much as possible on the anatomy side because obviously that's your instrument and you should know how it works. But I'm very much focused on the experiential side of it. So making sure the student is experiencing exactly what I'm trying to get across in the lesson. And that's basically, it basically comes down to a couple of really simple things. It's if it feels good and it sounds good, you're good. But if it feels bad and it sounds really good you're on a terribly dangerous path and if it feels good sounds bad you have potential to work on it because you're working a muscle and just like toning up your butt or your arms <laughs> you can work these muscles in your voice to get the desired results so basically three really simple points and if the two correct ones match up then you're on the right track Yeah, I think that's really cool. There was an article several years ago saying that, yes, you can train people how to sing and sing beautifully. I don't think a lot of people thought of that or really knew that. People just thought maybe they were horrible singers or there were horrible singers out there. But you can actually train people how to sing very well. 100%. There's actually, I think it was 
it's either 4% or 6% that are actually classified, and this is throughout the whole world, allegedly, that are in fact tone deaf. A lot of people will say, oh, I'm tone deaf, I can't sing, but it's how often do you practice? How often do you train those tiny, tiny muscles that are incredibly reactive and can change a result dramatically if you just use a little bit too much air or not enough air, all these different factors. So a lot of people will just assume they don't have a great voice or they can't sing because they don't really, you know, I'm not a fantastic ballerina or brain surgeon, but I've never really put much <laughs> effort into either of those disciplines. And they both seem very, very hard disciplines too. <laughs> right. <laughs> so does vocal coaching in a sense too. And you're a transformational vocal coach for adults at all levels online and in person. Do you also teach all ages or is it mostly adults? Mainly adults because of the concepts. I, I love working with kids and we have a lot of fun, but when they're not at a certain age where they can't quite grasp the concepts. I mean, even the things that we've talked about so far already. So like a six-year-old is going to be like, I just want to sing and I just want to belt it out and do this, that and the other. And so to be able to explain those concepts that can really help a singer, that's kind of my passion. And it's purely a selfish choice because it's a lot easier. Fair enough. <laughs> Whereas, you know, the, the little ones, you have to take it a lot slower and be very, very careful because their voices are still developing up until sort of 13, 14. And that goes for girls as well as boys. So to really dig into the heavy lifting, I prefer working with at least teens, older youth. And then my favorite place to work is, is with, with adults. No, that totally makes sense. When I was asked if I wanted to take singing lessons, I was nine years old, but the vocal coach said she wouldn't train me till I was about 11. She took mm -hmm. me a bit earlier just because... I begged her and my mom did too. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, but they definitely took their time and they definitely worked with it. And then as I grew older, we did work around it. But I have heard vocal coach vocal coaches saying that they won't take some students under a certain age because they are right. still developing. On the flip side to that, if there is a student, because I was that student, the same as you, I was, I was probably six or seven and just begging my mom for lessons. There are students that are potentially going to damage their voice if they don't know how to do it healthily so if I have a parent that's like oh I want my kid to be a superstar I'm kind of like eh, maybe we should wait but if I have a parent who is like my kid just lives for music she's singing all the time she's really working hard or he's really working really hard and pushing things and that's when I would happily step in and be like okay if they're five that's fine but let's give them a real healthy foundation so that they don't move on with bad habits or or hurting themselves Oh, yeah, for sure. And so for your vocal coaching, do you teach any specific genres or techniques or are you with everybody or do you do a little bit of everything? The way that I teach is basically showing you how to use your instrument. Perfect. So it's like having a guitar and saying, I would like to learn to be able to play country or rock or classical Spanish style <laughs> um, flamenco or whatever. So it's like if you learn your instrument, you should ideally be able to go off and play whatever style you would like to play and then go and specialize in that specific style but understanding how your instrument works is key and then we'll focus later on on stylistics but my goal is that I work with singers who just want to understand their voice how it works and then they can go off and sing exactly what they want in the style that they want to sing it's interesting though because I do have a lot of very very highly trained classical singers who will come to me because they've in a sense lost their voice they're unable to sing anything other than that very strictly technical style and they're they're stuck because they're like I, I'd really love to sing a Carrie Underwood tune or Evanescence or, or a Pearl Jam song or something and it's like but it just comes out like this <laughs> and it's like, they're, they're at a point where they don't even know what their own voice sounds like anymore so so I, I get really passionate and enthusiastic about helping people kind of rediscover their natural instrument as well. That is so interesting. I think that's so interesting that you can work with that because going back to my singing lessons again, I took the classical operatic lessons. So mm -hmm. I was trained that way. So every time I tried to sing a different genre, I couldn't do it. I was like, why? Right. What is going on? But I really wanted to sing rock music and I wanted to sing pop music and I wanted to do that because 
I didn't want to always be on Broadway. I did for a while, but you know, right. you get older right. and you do stuff. I didn't know you could actually do that. That is so cool. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's fascinating that it, it it's because I, I think because the classical form is so very disciplined that you, the minute you start to sing, it's like you initiate this different kind of maneuver in your body and your instrument whereas i really work on getting people to just connect to their natural sound their natural tone and that's where it's always going to be easier as well that's not to say that some of the most amazing singers in more mainstream like freddie mercury or even uh axel rose quite a few of those kind of mainstream commercial singers have worked with bel canto trainers who mm. are very classical and you know very traditional methods but used in a certain way so I'm getting really nerdy here I really like that no <laughs> keep going I would like get nerdy about this kind of stuff too we're gonna <laughs> move away of, we're gonna get more nerdy here in a second and before we do I gotta ask you it's a big question but who do you think are some of the best singers today in mainstream music today in mainstream music oh oh my gosh um <laughs> that's a good one I mean Everyone's obsessed with Billie Eilish right now. I was kind of like, uh, it's just a big thing, whatever. And then it was actually my husband that kind of pointed out, it's like, she's so 20s. And the marketing, I think, I'm not sure if it's a marketing thing. It's like, if you were to put her in like a little twinkly flapper dress or one of those really cute sparkly dresses that you see on Instagram for sale all the time <laughs> and had her behind one of those retro mics singing what she sings, it would still almost fly, but no one would buy it. But the fact that they've got her singing that style in kind of punk, you know, in the, <laughs> so she's kind of like the new Avril Lavigne, I think, but with a much better vocal approach. I, I really, really love her voice and her style. But other than that, I'm just, whew, yeah, that's a big question. Like, I'm such a big fan of all like the traditional greats, like the Mariahs and the Whitney's and all the cheesy stuff like that. But uh, I don't get the Taylor Swift thing at all. Huh. No offense. That's probably going to really screw me over here. No, not really. You're good. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get that at all. Uh, I think Miranda Lambert's got a crazy good voice. I saw Gwen Stefani in Vegas and she really surprised me recently in a good way. That's great. Yeah, I think they're all very, very talented. And they definitely got everybody inspired some way because they are some of the legends these days, you know? <laughs> all right, yep. back to the nerdy stuff. Yes. <laughs> no, I'm excited for this. So I wrote a few notes down here. And uh, like everybody knows that vocal training helps everybody sing better. It seems obvious, of course. But we got to remind people professionals didn't just get to where they are by singing over and over and over again, like the Mariahs and the Mirandas mm -hmm. and the Billie Eilishes, you know, they have vocal training and that's going to help further their career. And that's what we're going to be focusing on today is like moving your music career further with the good vocal techniques and vocal everything so I want to talk about something first I think I knew about it but I never really thought about it what is the difference between a singing teacher and a vocal coach I had a vocal coach growing up as mentioned but I called her a singing teacher from my understanding mm. not super wrong but what are the differences for me personally and and it's very interesting I, I I'm always attending these online conferences with with coaches from around the world and some people will say they're a singing teacher some people say they're a vocal coach my personal interpretation and the reason I chose to take on the title more of a, a voice coach than a singing teacher is because for me a singing teacher teaches you songs I've worked with people in the past and I've had a lot of students who've worked with people in the past who literally have spent six weeks six months just working on one song and finessing a song where that just blows my mind. It's like, why would you not spend that time finessing your instrument so that you can go off after eight weeks and sing the living daylights out of anything you want? I teach you your voice versus teaching people singing of songs. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah, that totally makes sense. And mm -hmm. also vocal anatomy. You said you're very interested in vocal anatomy. Let's talk about that. What's going on in our mouths and in our throats and <laughs> when, what we're using when we're talking and singing and even performing. So there is a ton of stuff that goes on. Ingela Onstad, she's an incredible woman. She is, she's a performance anxiety coach. She was referring to singers as small muscle athletes 
because we really, really are. It's the same if you think of a, an Olympian training their muscles every day, committing to this end goal of reaching a certain point in a certain time, whatever, or lifting a certain weight, whatever it is. They're working their muscles. Singers are doing exactly the same. Now, there's so much to the anatomy of the voice that to go into it here will bore people like crazy. And I'm a visual person too. So if like, there's so many great diagrams now, and also you can see like the video too now from when I started learning as a vocal coach and the books that I have that are barely describing things that have very rarely been seen by the human eye. And now you can go online and you can, you can look up Steven Tyler's throat <laughs> and it's like there's a video of everything working in his throat where he's having this scope done and it's just incredible to see heads up though it's um it, yeah the the anatomy of the throat is very similar to other parts of anatomy so as a vocal coach that we we often get told off by youtube and instagram and stuff because they're very similar to other body parts. Oh, um, yeah, it's quite interesting. So don't go flagging but, uh, a video on YouTube for vocal things is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so just be prepared for what you're looking at. So yeah, it's it's incredible these days, the technology and the advancements in, in vocal science that we can see so much and learn so much now, which is just it's just incredible because it really does help you understand but the basic mechanics is you've you've got your air and it's going to come up through your larynx and it's going to be interacting with your vocal cords and your vocal tract which is your mouth oh my gosh we i was in a seminar recently it was just all about the tongue this is how nerdy my life is but the the number of things that interact with just your tongue and that how that affects your voice and the vocal tracts and everything is it's just mind blowing. So if that is something of interest, then there is now, thankfully, in this day and age, a ton of really cool information that's accessible, as opposed to, like I said, 20 years ago when I started and it was these books and these hand drawings that were completely unreliable. <laughs> so, yeah, there's some really cool stuff out there. One thing I will say is a lot of teachers or, or a lot of people going into singing obsess about the diaphragm and they say, oh, I breathe from my diaphragm. And the first thing I'll tell you is, no, you don't. You breathe from your lungs. Your diaphragm is the muscle that interacts and controls your breath, but you're breathing from your lungs. So you want to work your lung capacity and you want to be able to manage your breath in a really nice, healthy way. We're not going to talk about this muscle that you really, it's an involuntary kind of muscle that you can't really control and dig into so when you think about your breath and your lungs and your breathing don't think about this muscle and think of the word diaphragm just because that's what people say in the singing world i want you to just experience the sensation of really nice healthy strong breath and don't overthink about the mechanics behind it and the same goes for the throat too like it's great to know all of the different parts if you really want to nerd out about it but if it's a like i said if it feels good it sounds good you're good <laughs> it's very, very simple. <laughs> the Calgary Songsmiths. These guys are awesome. They have workshops, resources, mentoring opportunities to perform, and educational sessions on different aspects of the songwriting business. There are no membership fees, and the sessions are open to all ages. They gather every third Tuesday of the month. You can find out more details on their Facebook page under Calgary Songsmiths on Instagram or on Twitter. And make sure you keep checking back for updates on sessions and events on their Facebook or Instagram pages as well. The Calgary Songsmiths, keep doing what you're doing. I absolutely love it and I'm happy to get the word out for you. That sounds very, very simple. It really does. But it's good advice. You know, if it feels good and it sounds good, you're doing something right. Totally. And it's it's that really dangerous place where singers will go to, especially adult singers, where they've developed these habits where it's very common for me to hear, well, I'll save this song for the end of the set because after that I'm toast for the rest of the night. Or if I do this one song, it's, you know, I have to do this one song at this time or because of the certain notes and stuff. And it's like, but I can hit it and I can do it. And it's like, no, if, if you do it a little bit differently, you should be able to sing that song for three hours mm -hmm. and then be able to get up for the 5 a.m. morning promo interview and be able to go do the TV and then get on a tour bus for another six hours and then get on stage and never, ever feel tired. You should never feel that way. But a lot of singers get into the habit of like, oh, if I just push it, I can hit that note and then I'll just make sure I just put it in the right 
point in the set shouldn't have to ever treat your voice that way if you're doing it correctly for sure and like later on we're definitely going to get into setting up a set list for your performance because i think that's super important of course and also with touring and having to do a lot of the promo stuff like how to protect your voice and all that kind of stuff so we are going to get that for sure and then the last question before we get into the really wonderful benefits of vocal coaching is what should someone look for in a good vocal coach priority should be how your voice feels during and after the session i think like i'm always checking in how's everything feeling is everything feel good does it feel tired does it feel tight tense any of that stuff then we know we need to step back and readdress stuff so your vocal health should always be your coach's priority it shouldn't be the coach being like oh, okay i've got a great instrument to play with here i'm going to push 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 it and it's going to make me look awesome as a coach because i'm going to just throw them out there and be able to say ta-da there's my student and then two years later your student can't even speak i would always say that the top priority is not necessarily to look for who their clients are or this sort of star factor or wow factor look at how it makes you feel do you leave the room feeling like i really reached new level today or i feel really confident in my voice today or man i hit some really high notes and hit some really cool stuff but i'm really exhausted my throat really hurts so yeah looking out for your vocal health versus don't be starstruck there's a lot of coaches working with a lot of cool people these days especially now that the world has become a lot smaller so don't let that blind you if you're having lessons and you're in pain. That's <laughs> never a good thing. <laughs> so here's kind of a follow-up question to that, actually. It just kind of came up here because I did ask some listeners if they had some questions to ask. And one of the questions that came up twice, actually, was, is it worth it to see a vocal coach or is it okay to watch YouTube videos giving vocal lessons? I would say definitely see a coach at least once because if you're if you're at that level where you're going to sit and stare at YouTube for 4 hours or whatever <laughs> if you're if you're going to invest your time in your voice you really might as well invest that time with someone who can give you real time feedback and at least tell you okay great you you've learned these exercises on YouTube and you're doing them correctly so go for it dig in keep going just to get validation and to know that you're doing things in a healthy safe way i would really recommend checking in with a with a good coach for sure there's some really great content on YouTube for practicing and learning if you have a foundation there's also some really sketchy stuff out there <laughs> if you're again it all comes down to vocal health if it gets you results but it feels bad please don't do it please 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 don't do it can you can damage your cords really badly and there are ways you know there's lots of recovery and techniques and ways to recover from that I mean look at Adele and there's there's so many people who are perfect example of coming back from really bad vocal damage but it's easier to prevent than it is to recover from that is what we're gonna try and prevent today is vocal injury by talking about the wonderful wonderful benefits of vocal coaching so I have a list here of some things that I did look up about some of the benefits so I'd like to go through them one by one and kind of dive deeper into some of the wonderful benefits and the first thing we're going to talk about is vocal technique and how vocal technique with a vocal coach is like building blocks so how is it like building blocks what can artists do once they get the vocal technique down and they build upon it it's getting that foundation of understanding how your instrument works and being able to control it the way that you want it to sound so for example you can look at all different styles and genres but you have to have the foundation so if you want to go into like screamo or growl that kind of stuff full-on hardcore you have to have the foundation of how to use a clean tone before you can really dig into that full-on metal stuff so yeah if you have a foundation it's like learning the alphabet then you can start to read and and then when you're really good at reading you can start writing your own stories or it's so it's, it starts with the foundation and then you can dig into the stylistic stuff building on your tone and just kind of exploring what your instrument can do and we're so lucky as singers because you don't have the confinement of say a piano or a guitar we can really mess with our instrument and jump around really easily from genre to genre or, or tone to tone. And I mean, guitarists have that luxury if they have all the pedals and all of that kind of stuff too. But a vocalist can do that without having to plug into anything. 
That's pretty great. And that's interesting because we talked earlier about how artists can pretty much sing anything if they train their voice to do so. But some people, they want to develop their own style and find their own style. And with a vocal coach, well, you can develop your own style. So developing your own style with a vocal coach, what kind of things do you look for? What kind of things do you teach them? And how does someone develop their style? I always start with looking at your kind of speaking tones and your natural voice so many people will walk into the studio and be like okay i'm here i'm ready to sing and it's like you're thinking singing is very disconnected to your speaking voice but it's not it's the same instrument so a a lot of people do have a, a big disconnect between their natural speaking voice and their singing voice and start to do weird things to it the minute you get melodic and throw it onto some music weird things can start happening because we overthink it we think it's supposed to be really hard and we think we're supposed to really reach for those notes or use our diaphragm and stand in a certain way and do all these strange things but singing is one of the most natural forms of communication it's human <laughs> nature to to make these noises listen i mean listen to a kid in a playground they're gonna hit crazy high notes just by laughing or playing tag and screaming or whatever um, when babies are crying they do things when when we go to concerts and we're cheering we're hitting notes that we would never expect to be able to hit if we were standing in front of each other going okay now hit this f sharp or this b flat and then it's very intimidating and suddenly like oh okay i've got to do this but you go to a concert and you're cheering for your favorite band or you're at a game and you cheer for a a goal our voices can do incredible things oh yeah for sure and it's interesting that you mentioned that we overthink things when we start to really get into our headspace of what we need to do for singing and i remember my mom saying to me she's like you sound a lot better when you don't overthink it and you just sing you just sing you sound way better and i'm like oh okay yes And that's what people connect to. That's why people are are loving like the Billie Eilish and all this creative stuff that's coming out right now because it's genuine. It's a natural sound. We've moved on a bit from, I don't know why Kylie Minogue's that la 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 (laughs) song comes to mind. We're like all of this overproduced stuff that we don't really connect to. But I mean, I guess there's a ton of that out there too. But right now, especially with all of these at home concerts and everything, we're kind of hearing a bit more genuine stuff. And that's that's how people find their real sound. So don't get bogged down with am I singing? Like as singing is is this weird thing that's alien to you. No, singing is just you line things up, you put the right amount of air, you give it some support and you just enjoy it. (laughs) That sounds fun to me. I like that. Well, one thing, too, is a lot of these performers are on stages or they're sitting or they have instruments in their hand and breath control can become a big thing. And that's the benefit of working with a vocal coach is the breath control. You can teach them how to improve breath control and how to keep the vocals strong in any setting. Totally, totally. And and breath control is is really good in so many areas. It's not just for singing like that. It's scientifically proved that singing can like reduce your blood pressure, reduce stress levels. It can actually improve your overall health just based on breathing technique and taking good healthy breath it's it's very similar to yoga and the kind of breathing that you would do in a yoga class in some instances I mean obviously it depends on what you're singing and what you're working on but getting that connection with your breath and being able to control it in such a healthy way is really really good for the body it stimulates what's called the vagus nerve which is kind of the fight flight or freeze stuff so it actually stimulates that so that if you're feeling stressed or anxious if you breathe in the right way you can actually control a lot of anxiety stress and all of that kind of stuff it's it's really incredible but yeah working with a coach there's so many exercises and and techniques that can help really expand your lung capacity and increase your power in that sense because volume and power comes from the the breath not muscles in the throat which is another misconception and not just the diaphragm either (laughs) yeah As we were told for years, breathe from the diaphragm. Right, right. (laughs) So what does good breathing look like for a singer then? So I always kind of start with just making sure your shoulders are really relaxed. Sometimes it helps if you put your hands sort of around your waistline, the bottom of your rib cage. And then when you breathe in, you might want to feel a little bit of an expansion where around the bottom of your rib cage or your your stomach should move, which is, is kind of tough because girls on stage don't really want their stomachs to 
to hang out or bath out. But if your lungs are filling up, they got to go somewhere, right? <laughs> There's got to be some movement. So yeah, your stomach should move. Everything should be nice and relaxed down there. But ideally, you don't want your shoulders coming up and down. Everything should be relaxed around your shoulders because if your shoulders are hiking up, you're probably only using about 30% of your lung capacity. So when you do take a nice, solid, deep breath, you want to feel a bit of expansion around your tummy, your lower back, perhaps the lower rib cage too. Good to know. I remember the shoulders down, shoulders down. I do remember that. <laughs> and it's just, it's, it's tough because when you're starting out or, or when you're starting out performing, there is anxiety and you do get nervous. And these are all the things that just naturally happen when you're in that situation. So it's, it's all very counterintuitive at the start, but once it all becomes, you know, like riding a bike, it all, it all settles down and becomes second nature. So good for you. Definitely. And another great thing that you guys do is you guys help build confidence in performers and in singers' performances because you build up their building blocks with all of these other things to make them go on a stage and perform at their best and feel their best. So when you're working with an artist in your studio and you're building up their confidence with their performances, what do you guys do with the vocal coaching? So there's certain different elements So because I work with performers of all different levels. So people who are performing on stage regularly or touring and, you know, performing their, their stuff with their original music and their bands or, or people who are just, I've had people who have never even sung in front of people before other than me. <laughs> it's like, okay, I want to make sure everyone feels just really, really confident when they're on stage. So we, we just start out working on the basics. So if you're coming from the very beginning, we work on the basics things like mics, you know, mic technique, a little bit of a stage presence, working again on that connection to that genuine sound and being genuine on stage. Because if you're doing again, that I always use air quotes and say singing, if you're doing something that isn't natural or genuine, it's going to feel uncomfortable and weird. Making sure you set yourself up for success on stage, unless like there's also that kind of alter ego thing, like the, um, you know, Lady Gaga, she she even said that she, she kind of created that because she didn't have the confidence to go. Stephanie doesn't have the st confidence to go on stage and, and be, boom, here I am. And, and then suddenly was born Lady Gaga, this powerhouse. And uh, I believe Beyonce has Sasha Fierce or something <laughs> like that, that she's like, I have my alter ego that I tap into for this power and this confidence. So finding whatever it is that helps you really believe in yourself and and have that confidence but i'm always offering opportunities for students of, of all levels to just get together and really building a community where they can practice their new skills together and uh, we have like online open mics and online karaoke and uh, times when we can uh, retreats and such where we, we work on just building that confidence in a really safe, non-judgmental environment. So when it comes to going on stage, doing your first open mic or starting your tour, you're you're ready and you're prepared for it and feeling really confident. And you've had feedback from other musicians as well, not just me telling you how to do stuff. Yeah, lots of, lots of different approaches to make sure people are feeling awesome when it's time to, to get behind the mic. Definitely. I remember all of the recitals and all of the uh, adjudicators. And whew, I think I was more nervous to sing in front of those guys than anybody. And <laughs> it's a lot of pressure. It is. It's a ton of pressure. But you know, once you kind of get over it, I don't think anyone really gets over stage fright per se, because it might be a new audience every night with obviously new people. But that does help just having that confidence knowing that you're going to sing kick ass the whole time, you know? Yeah. Yeah, totally. And we just did, uh, again, with Ingela, um, overcoming performance anxiety, and we talked so much about how to how to kind of embrace it. And I think that is it is something that as musicians and performers and artists, it's a sensation and a feeling that we're, we're almost drawn to. If you were about to go on stage and you didn't feel anything like those butterflies or a little bit of that spark, I feel like that that's part of the magic too. So learning how to embrace it as opposed to be afraid of it or intimidated by it is, is really important. In your opinion, what are some other benefits of hiring a vocal coach or a singing teacher? What are some things I might have missed? What do you think is great about them? And why do you think artists and vocal performers should get one? 
We're definitely within the case of myself and Rocket Vocal Studios, the, the community is a really huge part of it. It's all about supporting other singers and students and getting together, for, like I said, for all these events and encouraging each other to level up and take it to the next level. So that, that community of being with other singers who have similar goals to grow and develop and with that comes opportunities, you know, to perform or, or like a lot of my students now are they'll they'll jam or write with each other or even some people are even gigging together and recording together. So really cool opportunities for for that kind of community building and support and growth. But other than that, like the the biggest thing I, I think with a vocal coach is definitely maintaining your vocal health just having having a mentor like even I still you know I reach out to other coaches for for some mentorship and, and encouragement and guidance because it's really important if you just sort of think oh well here I am this is what I'm doing I'll just keep doing the same thing first of all it can be really lonely and then it can also you know you get stagnant and you start doing the same things it's just it's really nice to have a community and reach out and support and encourage other people because then you help each other really grow and develop. That's really wonderful. And I think that's a great way to network as well and meet new people, like you said, and talk to others and get those opportunities. It's a great networking thing. And I think that's wonderful. So now we're going to kind of get into the styles of singing or kind of getting ready for certain situations. So now a lot of artists, they're getting ready to go back on stage and do performances on stage because we are starting to see more places open up with live music, which is great. So I feel comfortable talking about this now, which is good. But there's some Mm -hmm. things that have come up that we'll get into, of course. But when an artist is getting ready to go on stage and perform, how should they warm up? What are some great vocal warm ups for singers day to day for them to do throughout the day and what are some great quick vocal warm-ups they can do right before they hit the stage cool yeah one thing really important with warming up is to remember that it is just that it's warming up there's the misconception that it's it's a vocal workout so don't get on stage when you're you've already tired your voice out (laughs) so some really great exercises are um the lip rolls or lip bubbles or um lip trills some people call them so it's just a those kind of things you can do as slides or going along with your favorite songs they're a really really gentle great exercise to warm up your voice and another thing that's actually becoming increasingly popular which is so cool because it's fantastic is straw exercises i don't know if you've seen no oh, that's interesting <laughs> if you uh take a straw ideally like a a sort of diameter of like a cocktail straw a smaller one and there's actually professional kits you can get like i have a a singing straw set which is absolutely fantastic and it's like three different straws that are are very small in diameter so you can start with all three of them in your mouth and then you take them away the more pressure that you want but it's for those of the nerds out there it's semi-occluded vocal tract exercises so what it does is it warms things up just through a little bit of air resistance and gets everything moving really, really healthily and really, really safely. But it warms you up really, really well. And it also cools you down fantastically. So if you've had a bit of a hard show or if you've been working a little harder than maybe you're used to, you can use the straws to really cool down as well afterwards. And remembering that once you're warmed up, you're good for several hours. So if you warm up, if you have a show, say nine o'clock and you're warmed up at around five, six o'clock, you've done a really nice steady warm up. Like you mentioned, you just, you can do just some really gentle refreshers just before you go back on stage, but you don't have to warm up right before you go on stage and risk actually kind of tiring your voice before you start. Yeah, Yeah, that totally makes sense. So when they're performing that night, a couple of questions that did come up is what should they eat during the day to prevent a bad performance? Like I remember being told no dairy, no spicy foods, no heavy foods, no sugary candy kind of foods before a performance or the day of a performance. So they're going on the stage, they're excited to perform. What should they consume? What shouldn't they consume before they go on stage? It's a, it's an interesting one. I would suggest, again, it's if you're a serious performer and you want to really keep an eye on this, keep a diary and take note of what reactions you've had when you've eaten X, Y, or Z. I've had students come in and I've been able to say like, did you just eat a cheeseburger? And they're like, okay, that's really creepy. How do you know that? Because <laughs> like, yeah, like, I can hear 
cheeseburger that sounds really weird <laughs> I, it's like that's kind of what i would anticipate the result you're getting from your voice would be from eating a cheeseburger and then like i'd have i have students come in and they've got like a massive ice caps from tim hortons Ooh. and they're having a terrible time in their lesson and I'm, they're like oh my voice is really off today and i'm like looking at this tim horton this sorry tim hortons but this uh iced coffee beverage <laughs> and uh it's like okay what what were you expecting when you brought that into your singing lesson so uh yeah but but some people will not react to dairy or spicy or whatever and and they're the lucky ones that are absolutely fine so keep a diary and and see you know if you ate something and or if your voice was really weird one day just think back okay Okay, what have I eaten today? Also, like sleep, stress, Calgary climate is pretty mean for for that. Like this week, particularly, nearly all of my students have have said, "Oh, my voice feels really tired, or everything's really dry," because we've had the big change in the weather. So there's lots of factors, but keeping a diary will really help you lock it down. Yeah, that's really interesting. I never actually thought about that, the weather. So, I mean, mm-hmm. weather is going to be different anywhere you go, but we're going to, I just want to talk about this for a second. So weather, how does that affect your vocal cords? Humidity and climate. So if, if you're in a much more humid environment, it's going to be a lot easier on your voice and your vocal cords because hydration is key. And you want to hydrate at least two hours before you start singing because although it kind of can provide a bit of relief, if your voice is tired and you take a sip of water, it's way too late. It's way past the point of, of dehydration if you're feeling it then. So you should always, good rule of thumb as a singer to be very hydrated at the, all the time. But if you have a show coming up, just make sure that you're drinking your water at least two hours before because if you're on stage and you're thirsty, you might get into some trouble. Just popping in to say hello. I hope you are enjoying this program. You are learning a lot and you are benefiting, whether you are an emerging artist or an independent artist or you are a fan of music. Thank you for playing the program today. You can find us on Instagram at underscore underscore studio underscore B underscore underscore because Studio B itself was taken. So that's where you can find us on Instagram for more details on what is coming up on Studio B and all the programs and links and everything are there. We are looking forward to setting up more platforms for you to find out more about Studio B and for you to be able to buy, download, or stream the programs wherever you are at with whichever service you use. We are just still a bit under construction but super excited and super appreciative of having you here today on studio b let's get back some artists do kind of get into the alcohol and the drugs and the cigarettes we're not going to shy away from that it's a podcast i do what i want (laughs) how do all those things affect the vocal cords because sometimes they do them you know and i mean it's the rock and roll world it's what they do totally it's uh i mean it's again it's the same as as a cheeseburger or do drinking a bottle of whiskey like i know a lot of bands that that won't go on stage without basically a mini bar behind the drum kit you know then you get into the whole psychology side of all of that stuff but it's very very common it's obviously not the healthiest thing you might not be getting the best results but again it's i don't know this is speculation but if you're drinking a lot of kind of hard liquor on stage or at you know the night of a gig it might help you hit those higher notes because you're not necessarily feeling the struggle (laughs) it might be numbing a bit of the sensations i mean it's not good for longevity it's not going to help you if you're having to get up early and do all the promo stuff i mean but i'm the last person to say (laughs) i know i can't really say much either i mean we're we're in the music Um, industry I'm an ambassador of rock and roll, so <laughs> just be safe, be safe. Just take care of yourself. <laughs> Treat yourself once in a while, but just be safe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's really that's really interesting. Yeah, that's really cool. So here's the new topic, and I mean, it's not super timely because I like to keep these very generic, but right now a lot of performers are now having to perform wearing masks. I don't know. I heard that it's kind of hard to do, so... When they're performing in masks, I know it's brand spanking new. What's the best way to do it? And how can they project their voice properly? This 
Actually, it makes me nervous. Yeah. Fair <laughs> enough. I think it makes a lot of people nervous. <laughs> people are already seeing issues with their voice. I'm I'm working with people and people are reaching out to me. They're having issues with their voice just from speaking all day behind a mask because you're projecting a lot harder because you can't rely on the visual cues. The, the sounds are muffled and people are, are straining their voices. It's interesting, actually, people are really straining their voices on Zoom too, because the ambient sound is not natural. So people are shouting at their screens all day and I do it too. The two new elements in our life that, it, that I think we're gonna see a lot of repercussions from in voice is, is that Zoom factor and masks. To be singing with a mask, I, yeah. Personally, I wouldn't do it. I would rather not sing than sing with a mask. There, there's ways around it, I think. I just, you know, obviously people need to be safe and, and do what's right for them. But I, I feel what feels right. And if you can pull it off and if you if you have a great sound guy or a great microphone in a way that makes it sound good, that to you as a singer, it's a rewarding experience, then fantastic. But be aware that you might be making alterations that go against your vocal training to combat the effects of the, the mask. That'll be good to know for the artist because it's probably going to be sticking around for quite some time, unfortunately. Yeah. But uh, we're going to be moving off the stage and into the recording studio. So is there a difference between the performance you got to put on with your voice on a stage versus in a recording studio? Definitely, definitely. Completely different environment. You have the opportunity to push your voice a little harder, I'd say, in the studio than you should on stage because this is the take that's going to follow you for the rest of your life. <laughs> You've probably noticed that a lot of produced audio versus live is in a, a much higher key most of the time too. Artists will drop their, their music down a couple of tones just to make it more comfortable and easy and just easier to maintain on tour and on stage when they're live and then a little bit more reliable sometimes. But then in the studio, you, you have that flexibility to be I'd say a little bit naughty with your vocal <laughs> technique. So you train and you train and you work up to that moment to be in the studio and it's like, okay, you know what? This is the point where maybe you can just, like I said, be a bit naughty and be like, I know I can hit that note or this tone in a really cool way, just once or twice in the studio, just for the effect and just for a keeper on the record. But I wouldn't want to do that every night on tour. So there, there's a lot more a lot more flexibility in the studio with what you can do and with production and everything that you can you can change. You want to be as prepared for the studio as you would for going on stage though, but just in a kind of different way. And also you kind of want to sound a little bit like you do on the album on stage as you do on the album, <laughs> you know? Exactly, exactly. You don't want to get on stage and be everyone's like, who's this voice? This <laughs> I thought this person could sing. <laughs> I mean, you could be T-Pain and go all out with the auto-tune. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's really fascinating. When when people with so much talent cover it up in a different way, it's interesting. Ah, the arts. <laughs> so prepping your voice for a recording studio, is it very similar to getting on a stage? Or are there other techniques that you think performers should do before they walk into the studio? I mean, definitely you've got to do your warm up. You've got to be really well rehearsed in your songs. There's a bit more of an advantage when you're touring because you're literally practicing those songs every night with your band and fine tuning and finding some really cool ways of performing those songs when you're on stage. So just be really, really ready. I've gone into studio sessions sometimes and, and they have the lyrics aren't even finished and it's like why are we like why are you wasting your time like it's one thing to you know mess around alter some stuff get a bit creative but like oh well, well the third verse isn't done yet so <laughs> <laughs> maybe be prepared I mean I guess it depends if you have your home studio and you're working at home but if you're paying big bucks to be in someone else's studio definitely take advantage of that time and and be prepared be ready and make sure that your voice is prepped and at its best. Like I always recommend get with a vocal coach and go over the songs that you're gonna record just so that you can work with the coach to make sure you can hit those notes the way you want to. Not not to have a coach tell you, oh, you should be doing it this way or you should you should try it like this or maybe do that, but like to work with the coach and be like, this is my goal, this is my vision, this is how I want these notes to sound or this is how I want the chorus to lift or what have you and, and have that 
literally given to you and taught to you in a really healthy, achievable way. So when you're in the studio, you're not just like take 37 and your voice is now shot, but you're still aiming for a certain sound. So like a vocal coach can really help you. And, and I, I do work a lot of times in studio. So we'll prep behind the scenes and then I'll go with the artist so that I'm there with them in the studio to help them kind of vocally produce the session because it can get really overwhelming if the bassist is like hey dude I really like what you did there and then the drummer's like oh no try this and then then you've got your audio guy is like well actually maybe so to have that one person that you have a very genuine trust with who is like but did it sound right like from a from a listener point of view from a commercial artist point of view from a you know radio play point of view not not Dave in the back who's high mm -hmm. as a kite. Like, you know, <laughs> let, let's try and let's ask the person who might know something. <laughs> That's really cool. It kind of leads me into a new topic I didn't have written here, but singing in different settings, because I never thought about this, because when you're singing acoustically with your own guitar, it's a lot different than singing with a whole entire band behind yeah. you. There's so much going on and Keeping focused with a whole entire band is definitely harder than keeping focused with yourself on a stage by yourself. And it's such a different feel. I, it's funny, I literally I just, I had a student just before this and we were talking exactly about kind of the journey of going from being on stage or, or rehearsal, wherever, with your full, you know, five piece band or, or more. And then stripping it down and just you and the guitar or you and the guitarist and being able to really enjoy what your voice can do as an instrument versus having to sort of keep up with the power of the five piece. So it's really, it's really fun if you have a really strong, powerful voice to just, you know, put your foot on the gas and give her and have the best time with the band and, and you know, rock out or whatever it is you want to do. But then when you strip it down to be able to take away 50% of that volume and pressure and power and just sit with what your instrument can do in a really sort of vulnerable and honest, genuine situation. I, I just love that difference. And it's hard for people to make that switch of, of, okay, now I feel incredibly naked and vulnerable and I'm singing like at 110% with my acoustic guitar. And why are the people in the audience looking really confused by this? <laughs> when an artist is working with a full band, who should they be listening to the most to follow with the song? This is my favorite quote of life. Um, Ian <laughs> Thornley said that the song should always be the biggest ego in the room. I love that so much because that essentially is what it's about. As a front person, and it's, it's always kind of awkward to say this, but as the front person, the band should always follow you. So you, you should be confident, owning the stage, doing your thing. And if you do your thing completely wrong, your band should follow you and back you up. If you kind of go off track or if you go, you go into the chorus when it should be a verse and your band doesn't follow you, get rid of your band. <laughs> and I'm quite serious about that. And what if the band goes off the rails a little bit by accident? Oh, there's there's a twist. There's a twist. There's always if a twist. <laughs> <laughs> if you can and you need to, you follow them. Like you you do and that that's the thing. I, I say that, you know, fire your band if they don't follow you, which oh, yeah. is a very arrogant thing to say. <laughs> but but I also say that coming from a place of you and your band are a team and you know each other and you've you're all just as passionate about the project. Um, as each other so it's it's not like they've got your back because they want to have your back it's not like well we learned this chart and she screwed it up so we're just going to follow the chart it's like no if you're good musicians you you stick together and you make it together and you make it freaking awesome you make so, it yeah. freaking awesome well one thing that is not freaking awesome is the winter but a lot of people yeah. are still performing outside during the winter so when they're getting ready to perform outside and then they start performing outside, how can they protect their vocal cords that way? We, yeah, just again, just being really nicely warmed up, stay, getting your rest, staying healthy, avoiding, you know, weird foods and stress and stuff. But if, if you're performing outside, just 
make oh it's it's tough because like some we have like those new year's eve gigs and people are out doing like a full set in minus 30 and it's just sounds really really uncomfortable it looks really uncomfortable Um, too sometimes (laughs) yeah and and i feel i feel bad for them because a lot of times there's like seven people in the audience too It's like no one wants that to be in that situation. Again, just the the same foundation of vocal health, warming up, getting ready, doing some physical exercise. Cardio is so good for the voice too because it just gets the blood flowing. It gets everything in your body moving together. And uh, a a lot of artists will will take a treadmill with them like and have it backstage so they can just rock the treadmill for, for 15, 20 before they go on stage just so that everything is alive and and you know your blood's pumping and everything's going so a little bit of cardio could probably really help too in a situation like that interesting but again, it's, it's tough like depending what level you're at sure if you're if you're lady gaga and you've got your treadmill backstage but if you're you know playing olympic plaza in calgary you might look like a bit of a wing nut so. <laughs> i got my treadmill here we're good to go maybe just do a lap around <laughs> Just do a lap around the Olympic Plaza. You know, you're good. Yeah, yeah. Go for a jog, slip on some ice. <laughs> oh, man, that's like the most terrifying thought. <laughs> so I feel it's kind of the same for like hot temperatures as well. Just make sure you're hydrated, yeah. warmed up yeah. or cooled down. And, and just mentioning cool down. It's so it's just as important to cool down after a gig, too. Okay, let's yeah. talk about that for a second, because I never actually thought about that. Cooling down. <laughs> right. So like when when you've performed and... And again, it depends what level you're at. But I mean, a lot of a lot of the high level performers will do the meet and greets and stuff. And then, of course, if you're working the bar scene, you get off stage and you want to chat with your friends and your buds. And it's a loud bar. So not only have you been performing, but suddenly you're shouting to order your drinks and say hi to your friends. So really important, even just if it's five minutes, just step away do some lip trills, some straw work, just something to cool things down, get the blood flow going in a nice regulated way, get your breath chilled out. And also like for your mental state too, just to kind of enjoy the moment that you just had and kind of just take that time and calm down and and then go enjoy the rest of your night. But making sure that your voice is cooled down is, is gonna really help you moving forward from that. Even if it's just one song, sometimes that anxiety and the adrenaline and everything can can tighten things. Take that time to just get back in a really nice, relaxed state, both physically, mentally, and for for your voice too. I love that. Yeah, I love that. Well, before we talk about vocal health issues, like the really, really tough ones to talk about, is there a difference between male and female vocal coaching? There's, I mean, obviously there's a difference between the male voice and the female voice. We both have... Um, our, our ranges are generally different. We have, we both have bridges. So we both have that area of the break where there's a couple of notes where it's a little questionable for, until you're able to really master and manipulate that. I, I mean, it, essentially it's the same, the same instrument, the same muscles, the same kit. I feel psychologically the approach is very different. Guys have a much harder time well okay i'm generalizing but a lot of male singers will have a harder time accessing their higher range in a really healthy way because a lot of times you have to go through that bridge and that break and and get that flexibility before you can really strengthen it and turn it into turn yourself into like a rock god or singing all these (laughs) high notes so you have to have that flexibility which means re-experiencing that that bridge and that break and that traumatic time in every boy's life where they sound like this for a little bit (laughs) and a lot of male adult singers will have just literally shut down their range and they go to a point and then it's like yeah I go no further or it breaks and I would rather stick needles in my eyes or something that psychology of like I'll just push it and I'll reach higher and I'll I'll hit that note like I said earlier like I'll be able to hit it but inconsistently or it will hurt so I feel like that is quite a big difference just in the way that you approach the teaching between male and female females females seem to be more willing to dig into a community and and start to sing together and really support each other males are are a bit more reserved when it comes to singing in front of each other but it's it's interesting because the majority of my students are males and the majority of them want to be singing and performing in front of people so it's all about building that confidence and self-esteem and having the patience to really explore their range and go into that head voice stuff even though it kind of sounds weird and uncomfortable initially but to be able to experience what your instrument does 
in a very relaxed, natural state. Being able to do that, you can start to put power behind it. It's like lifting weights. You go into a gym, you're not going to lift 300 pounds on the first day. You have to explore how to do it and and lift the build the weight gradually and then become a rock god. So moving on to more of a less fun topic, kind of a scary topic, but vocal cord disorders. So I got a couple of questions around vocal health issues like nodes, exhaustion, a sore throat, laryngitis, polyps, paralysis, and everything we talked about here today is going to help prevent these things. But sometimes things, they just happen, you know, they're going to mm-hmm. happen. We're human. And of course, we talked about the steps that you can take to have these things not happen. But a couple of questions that I got specifically were about the nodes and the polyps. So what are they? How can they be prevented? And how are they cleared up? So they're essentially like blisters. So if you were to um, like rub your index fingers together consistently, you'd you'd get a bit sore. So if you were to imagine that your vocal cords are, are similar to that, they're just too very, like it's when the cords just rub together or come together in an inconsistent way and two points or more are touching in a really inconsistent, unhealthy way. You, you get these like little blisters or little hard, you know, just little bits of hard, you know, the hard. Kind of like calloused. Yeah, like a callus, exactly. That's what that can cause. I've, I've never experienced it myself, but I would imagine that you would feel it happening. Like you would feel that you're, you're not using good vocal technique over time. Your voice would be tired. Your voice would be strained. I can't imagine that by using perfect technique, suddenly one day you'd wake up with nodes. So if you are feeling like it's really hard to use your range or um, for example, a lot of times if you go to sing a note and it's really breathy. So if you were to go like a really clean really connected you can hear the chords are really balanced and they're coming together in a really nice healthy way but if if you're trying to create that sort of sound and it's coming out like and it's real breathy and it's really inconsistent it sounds like there's interference and there's something in the way so that potentially can be a sort of node situation now i am not an otolaryngologist oh my god i can't even say the word (laughs) anyway voice specialist so i'm not the person to talk to if you think or you you consider you might have that go go see a specialist go check it out you've gone from one state to another versus my voice has always been really raspy if you were always able to hit this note perfectly and then then all of a sudden it's like i can't even connect on this note and and it's just not working um, so yeah, it just it's it's kind of basically if you were wearing tight shoes and you're going to get a blister, it's just your cords are rubbing together the wrong way or connecting together the wrong way, and they cause this this issue. But like I said, I'm not super specialist on that, and my my vocabulary isn't immaculate on it either. But just just be aware that if your voice was really clean and clear and you could hit all the notes, and suddenly it's like really raspy and you you can't go as far as you could, and and things are tight and sore just uh, try and get that checked out for sure. There's a, I think, I'm not sure if it's necessarily a change in the approach to vocal coaching, but obviously the science has advanced hugely, but a lot of vocal coaches are more focused on the health than they are the results and pushing their students and, and making sure that everything is healthy. So there's a lot of focus on rehab and healthy vocals. So there are ways to come back from it. That is really interesting. It's great that people are able to come out of it now and it's not the end of the world for them. So that's even better to know. So are there any kind of things that you, I don't know how to word this because I mean, a lot of these artists really rely on tea or certain cough drops or like lozenges or anything like that. Are there any sort of like supplements or teas or lozenges or anything that you would recommend for artists? Because I was told personally, don't numb your throat before you have to sing because it's going to ruin your vocal cords because you might do something wrong, but you're not going to feel it. But Mm -hmm. for an artist that's got to hit the stage like right away, like they're touring, what do you recommend for them to keep their voice top notch while they're touring for weeks at a time again it just comes back down to just taking care of your body your instrument being healthy getting the rest managing stress all of those kind of fundamental things but when it comes to you know you've got to go on stage and your throat's kind of 
having a challenging day. It totally depends. Again, depends what level you're at. Some people will just fight through it for kind of a bar gig and, you know, just get the job done. I'm a big fan of just hot water with honey and maybe some ginger. Honey is just fantastic because it's um, antibacterial as well. So it's really, really good, really healthy for you. But yeah, other people do rely on kind of lozenges, sprays, all kinds of stuff. And I mean, I've even seen, I think it was the documentary with Christina Aguilera where she had a cold and literally just a steroid shot in the bum and off she went. I've seen that a couple of so, times. I'm like, ow. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, it depends. If you've, if you've got a stadium to entertain that night, maybe you're going to have to go to a different different level but be aware and be careful and you know prioritize too like don't be afraid if if your voice is really really short and it's going to be a really terrible gig and just a bad experience for the audience for you for the band for the next three weeks of you playing for the sake of taking one night really really think about it it's really hard to do but but do take care of yourself (laughs) i think a great note to almost end on here but i just want to ask one more question what is some advice that you really really want vocalists to know that we may not have touched on today what is something that you just want to really pounce on and say please do this listen to your voice not your brain let let your voice show you what it can do because our brains get in the way every single time and uh if you can relax and let your instrument just do its thing You'll be able to do so much more than you ever imagined. And it's it's so much easier to say because, again, I'm, I'm a hugely into the whole psychology behind singing and uh, performance anxiety and all that kind of stuff. But depending on your path and your journey, everyone's had someone who said, oh, you're being too loud or, or you don't sound good or whatever. We've all had a comment that we've hung on to for far too long. If you can can get rid of and move past that, trust that when you're using your instrument properly, you can get it to do whatever you want to do. And uh, yeah, don't let your brain get in the way. I like it. I like it. And I guess the one last big question is, is where can everybody get a hold of you if they're looking to take vocal lessons and learn more about you and also just connect with you? Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, rocketvocalstudios.com and that's R-O-C-K-I-T vocal studios at rocket vocal studios on instagram and facebook too so um yeah reach out i'm always i'm i'm always here to just chat about stuff i'm a complete vocal nerd and i always want to help people if they have questions and stuff so uh yeah don't don't be shy and uh, reach out if you have a question or anything at all or want to sort of get involved in the online open mics or any of the the fun community building free stuff that i've got going on be great to uh, chat (laughs) 